You are listening to the So Driven Podcast, episode seven. Today, our guest here is Ben Keen. I first met Ben about three or four years ago at Escape the City, which amongst other things is a place for startups to grow and build on their ideas. Ben was one of the school leads there. His stories and mission as a tribe builder are unconventional and inspiring. But I wanted Ben to be on the podcast today for anyone who wants to get a sense or an understanding of what an unorthodox career with purpose can look like and the journey Ben has gone on right from the beginning to forge his career. You are listening to the So Driven Podcast with me, your host, Serena Dodd. Each week, we will dive deep into the inner workings of leaders. We will talk about their story, their challenges, their triumphs, and ultimately what drives that quest for success. Wanting to listen to a corporate type of approach to leadership? I'm afraid you're in the wrong place. Here, we like to be raw, a bit silly, progressive, and 100% unconventional. Ben Kane, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a little while since we last saw each other. I have been really excited about having you on the podcast. I know you've got a plethora of stories and some great knowledge to share. But for those who don't know you, and for a lot of people who do know you, have seen you as someone who's probably got quite an unconventional career or life, can you just explain a little bit about what it is that you do? Hi, Serena. It's great to be here. Thanks for, thanks for the invitation. What do I do? Oh, it's always a, always a funny question to be asked, isn't it, when you, you've been making it up for so long? Um, but I guess I, what, I'm, what I'm doing now is, is similar to what I was doing almost 20 years ago when I started off, left university and went off into the world, um, which is basically trying to follow stuff that I'm curious about. But in you know, as those 20 years have gone on with maybe slightly better business models or more, you know, profitable business models um, and with more positive sort of impact um, as the experience has grown. But that's really what I do is pursuing things I'm curious about, um, trying to make a difference in some way in people's lives and trying to scale that impact and make sure the the model behind it all is, is one that's sustainable, um, both financially and for you know, for the people who are involved in the project. So that those were the, those are the things that link it all together. I think the only other theme that really, if I look back so far, is this idea of, of sort of building communities. So pretty much all the projects I've either started or been involved with have a, a strong element of this is about bringing a group of people together with sh- on, around a shared purpose. So um, which is great adventure, as you know, because you you're part of one. Um, but it's also really brings a lot of challenges as well. So it's it's definitely uh, not for the faint-hearted. You've got to go in with a lot of energy when you're community building. I mean, we we met on Escape the City, but you have several going at each and every time I hear from you. But what are you currently working on? So the main project right now is called Rebel Book Club, and Rebel Book Club started five years ago, like all good ideas, by almost by accident. It's one of these things where if you plan it and you sort of write business plans, it never quite happens. But if you just sort of go, oh, let's try this thing, um, sometimes it turns into, into something that's, you know, then suddenly your main focus a few years later. So Rebel Book Club started in Bali in Indonesia. And I was out there with my wife and, uh, and our first daughter, and she was under one. So this was off. This was actually our, soon after... Um, we'd worked together at Escape the City. 
It wasn't. It wasn't the reason we went to Bali, by the way. <laughs> you met me. I was like, escaping escape. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, ended up in Bali and and living this sort of very cliched existence for a few months in this sort of digital nomad co-working space, bamboo monkeys, you know, nice coffee and lots of people doing yoga, and we were working at, we were helping other people start projects and it was a really good creative time. And then a friend and I were comparing Kindles and, and saying, well, hold on a second. We, we seem to have a problem here. A lot, we've downloaded a lot of books, uh, mainly nonfiction, mainly around the world we live in. Um, the problem is they're all between 10 and 30% read. We can't get past chapter three. What, what's the issue here? And so like many people have done before, we're like, let's start a book club. Um, so we started this book club. The idea was it would be a bit more of a boot camp. So we'd push ourselves to finish a book. And at the end of the month, the reward would be, um, you know, getting together with those that read it, but a cocktail design around the book. Um, and we did that in Bali and it was great. And then we came back to London and we said, well, oh, that would be fun to do that again because it helped us solve, start to solve our bad reading habit problem. And uh, yes, that was in May 2015. And last night we hosted the 64th Rebel Book Club, so 64 months in a row. And we've grown the community steadily over that. But the thing we got right at the start was that not only did we sort of do it for ourselves, we invited people to join us and we had a, a price point straight away. So it was £15. And for £15, you would get a book voucher, which we thought initially, oh, we'll just send it out via Amazon and later we'll start sending them out through the post and doing it all ourselves. But we have never changed because actually it works really well. People can choose different vouchers now, but it's it's essentially an email voucher. Um, and then an invitation to a meetup and a cocktail for £15 a month. And we push people along to read the book together. They vote from three books of a theme on a theme. And um, yeah, and then we have speakers and we have, you know, we help get extract value out of the book. And that's that's the journey we've been on. So it was a part-time side project for three and a half years. So some of these things are slow burners. And then in the middle of last year, we decided there's, there's almost enough monthly revenue for one of us to commit. But to do this properly, we should probably try and raise some funding. Um, and so we did a crowdfund last autumn. That money hit the bank in December. And so the beginning of this year, we just went out and going, yes, we're going to grow our book club. Um, by March the 1st, 2020, with 1,000 paying subscribers, six cities running in the UK, about 10% of our club were international, we just recruited a small team. We like, we were basically gearing up to scale, and then, and then of course the world changed. But I'm glad I was running. I'm running a book club this year, and not a travel company. Is all I can say. Tell me about. You've got several tribes. You've had several tribes in the past. You've got several tribes going. What is it about? And I've heard you talk about Rebel Book Club a number of times actually. And what do you feel is different about Rebel Book Club as a tribe? What do you feel like your members get out of it? Yeah, if I compare it to other projects I've been involved with or, or started, so um, which maybe we'll, we'll talk about more, but the thing that's surprising about Rebel Book Club so far um, in terms of its success and also the lack of what I feel, which is, uh, this will change as we grow, but um, stress involved with running this particular project is that when, for the first three or four years, we didn't try. Um, and I mean that in a sense, like we, we cared, but we didn't, it wasn't like, this has to be the thing. This has to be the project that solves all the world's problems, makes all the money, fulfills all our life. <laughs> it was just like, oh, let's just try it. And it was, it, yeah, so we cared, but we didn't, 
we didn't put all our we didn't put loads of pressure and i remember yeah. you know at escape the city when we talked about new ideas is that too often we put loads of pressure on an idea or we elevate these ideas up to the point where we're going they have to sort you know almost tick every need that we have as a, a curious human and that's the, you're inevitably going to fall over. Um, so yeah, it was a lack of ambition, actually, I think is one of the reasons it's getting to this, got so far, we're in a new phase now. And from, from our members' perspective, it's initially, the initial hook is about, we talk about accelerating your reading habits. So first of all, it's that problem that we were facing five years ago, of like, I'm curious, but I'm not finishing these books, so I need to create better reading habits. We're living in a a world of distraction, a digital life, and it's quite hard to sit down, whether it's on a, on a, a ebook or a paperback or hardback book and just go, I'm going to read for an hour without interruption. And then an hour's reading, whether you're slow or fast, you get a lot, you can, you can achieve a lot. So it's about people getting to back into good reading habits from whatever level they're at. And then it's about the learning from your reading, which again is not a kind of rocket science model, but it's essentially education. How can we in our busy lives fit in some learning? So if we're going to pick up a book on uh you know gender bias or human nature or um you know entrepreneurship we actually you know over the next six months some of the things that we when we were reading we were like ah that's that's fascinating or that's really useful we're using it in our lives and so that's what we try and help people do Yes, I feel like a lot of people, including myself, really crave that desire to discuss what they are reading and make a connection with someone, especially, I suppose, in the non-fiction world where you might have areas where you want to debate or areas that you don't really understand. Um, talking about that, I'm currently reading Joe Dispenza's book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And with each chapter, I almost want to diagnose it with someone. I want that sort of discussion to understand it more. So what you're doing really is a great way to get these discussions going. It's almost nostalgic, like being back at school. I mean, we're not doing anything new here. It's just trying to help people, as you say, like really make some connections, join up some dots and when you spend time in the company of great authors or, or leaders, you, you do pick things up, you know, almost by osmosis. But if you can improve your habits around how you read in whatever format, I think audio is we're seeing almost one in or one in five of our members will consume a book through audio. So, for example, we've just read not a particularly heavy book, but uh, Rise Up by um, Stormzy and Jude Orson. So it's the first four or five years of Stormzy's career. So in terms of uh, academic level, it's not like a really intense data-filled book. It's a journal by him and his um, murky crew about the first four years. And it's actually a brilliant entrepreneurship story because it's about how, you know, they come from a, a challenging place in society and they've, they've basically won you know they've taken over and and led an, a new sort of genre of music um but the point is that a lot of people in our community listen to that this month because it's narrated by the six characters in the book and so you just connect with the the story in a different way which you wouldn't get you won't get if you just read it yeah so yeah i think all the formats what it's whatever works right and uh, and our job Basically. at rebel book club is to is to help people then go so last night for for this book we couldn't get the man himself um, quite, but we got we got a professor of grime, believe it or not. So Dr. Monique Charles was there talking us through the history of the the, the music um, scene and what's happened in the last decade. And then we had um, a music producer, we uh, you know, who's worked with with the Murky 
group and others. Uh, we had someone from the, who puts on events and then we had someone with a parallel story outside the, and we, all of them sharing their stories. Once you've listened to the audio or you've read half the book, it brings it, it takes it up to the next level because you've got some, there's some, you're interested, right? Okay. How can I use this? And that's all it is. So it's quite simple, but it, it's great. We enjoy it. I, I want to go back in your career. There's a lot of professionals out there who have a conventional career and would look at your path that you have taken and be slightly bewildered on how you started and how you grew your career to what it is now. Tell me a little bit about where the adventure began for you. I think, yeah, so there's a, there was a key moment in the, um, and I was on a conventional path, privileged conventional path in sort of Middle England. So I remember being at university um, and being one of those milk round, they call them milk rounds, which were basically when the, when the kind of corporate brands would come to certain universities and basically start recruiting or pitching themselves. And they usually sell themselves through by putting on like food and drink like anything in life, humans are a sucker for, for food and free food and drink. So all these, all these students would turn up and then they go, Hey, we're whoever it is, come and help us market crisps and, you know, tampons and stuff. You're like, hold on. Hold on. And I saw my friends queuing up to, to like basically apply for these graduate schemes. I was like, but you're studying anthropology and you're studying Middle Eastern studies and you're studying business and you're, and I'm studying politics philosophy. Why are we applying for these roles? And they're like, no, 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 this is what you do. I'm like, really? I thought you were interested in this. No, no, this is what we do. Um, and so at that moment, there was this weird idealistic um, light bulb, I guess, for me. And I was like, hang on a second. One, this doesn't feel right personally. And two, it feels a bit soon to be rushing into something so serious. So I, it was a combination of idealism, maybe a bit of arrogance. That I didn't need to go this path. And, and also just, you know, naivety. And I just thought went that combined led me on sort of into the world of adventure. So I ended up working with um, a local Newcastle student um, up in the Northeast who just started a travel company. So it was his first year and I became his first employee, first of all in the summer holidays and then full time once I graduated. Um, and we ran trips around West Africa, which were basically overland um, adventure trips for students and, um, and community projects. And that was my education. So I was taking groups. So I was working with a Ghanaian guy and we would drive two Land Rovers from Accra and Ghana to Timbuktu in Mali. So sort of 5,000 kilometer round trip. I'm trying to negotiate border crossings and... Was yeah. that your career break cafe? Yeah, it was around that time actually. So so I started that and then, wow, this, that's, a, that's a phrase I haven't heard for a while. So yeah, this brings me on to the first venture that I tried. So I worked with this travel startup for a few years and then realized well one I didn't want to bait once I had to go more into the office and wasn't out you know on the trips so I don't really want to work in an office in the back end of Newcastle for the next five ten years and it's not my business I wanted to try something so then I started Career Break Cafe which was my first attempt at doing something solo and Career Break Cafe was like well hold on the world is set up for 18 to 24 year olds who are fortunate enough to go off traveling and STA travel and all those organizations but if you're 30 or 40 or 50 and you have a job, a cat, a mortgage, etc., um, children, it's a lot hard. There's a lot more barriers to getting to the point where you can go on a big adventure. So I started a blog called Career Break Cafe, and the business model was terrible. It was those, um, I don't know if you remember, Serena, those sort of banner ads and the skyscraper ads that you had on the side. And you're trying to sell back to these kind of insurance and travel companies, like advertise on my And I think I did 5,000 pounds of revenue in six months but that was mainly through 
people who probably were backing me and not the idea. They were good contacts and friends in the industry. And I realized like the blog was getting traction, but I realized that the business model was going to be one. I was just sitting there on the phone trying to sell advertising, which I was like, ah, even for this is, this is not what I want to do, but what it led to. And I think this, this is the important point is it led to a conversation on MSM messenger or in a hotmail email account with a guy in, um, in Manchester who'd, who'd seen the blog and was like, Ben, I come from a kind of music entertainment space, but have you seen what's going on with MySpace and the Arctic Monkeys? I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa slow down. I'm writing a travel blog for 30 somethings. And he's like, no, 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 but look, could it be, could you take a MySpace type community? And remember this is before Facebook and any idea of like online communities really being mainstream. He said, could you take a MySpace type community where you've got a band in the middle and you've got this group of fans around it, but could you do that in the travel space? So could you have a destination, a location somewhere in the world and you could build a community online around it. Now we're in 2020, like lampposts have social media profiles now, right? But back in 2005, it was a pretty radical fun idea of like, well, what about, a place would have a, a, a group of fans or followers online. Um, so yeah, we, we were kind of like that idea heatwave is his idea. And then, and then I brought the sort of how might this work perspective from a kind of community tourism point of view. And we put together this project called tribe wanted and the idea was ridiculous and radical and fun. And, and it tried to solve the opposite of rebel book club. It was super ambitious. It was trying to solve all the problems in the world. Like it was going to be, a strong social impact project. It was going to be an environmental sustainability lead, you know, how to build a, a community project. And it was going to be this big online experiment with voting and poll <laughs> personal profiles anyway. And it was going to be on a desert Island. Cause we thought what's the opposite of an online community. So we found an Island in Fiji and we raised the money through a crowdfund and we went out before crowdfunding was a thing, you know, it was just through a PayPal button. And we, yeah, we managed to make that happen with a bit of PR and, yeah, we went and lived in Fiji, which sounds easy, but that was the that was the the up bit, and then we hit a load of challenges. You say it, you you say it so casually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just came up with this idea to do to help people out on an island on a tribe, and it just happened. But you basically didn't think it was going to happen. Then suddenly, you got this email through. Was it from National Geographic? Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. If we if we go to the the tip, the things that because this is what's interesting, the things that tip from like oh, exciting idea to oh, it's happening. So there are a couple of things that tip. One is your own personal commitment. And for me, the, the moment of commitment was a really mundane thing. It was my, I remember really clearly, it was my young person's rail card. So I was 26, about to become 26, was uh, about to expire. And I was like, I can no longer get a third of rail fares. I've got to do something serious with my life now. I've got to grow up. <laughs> and it's weird. It was just a little trigger. And I said, well, either now's the time to go and do that graduate job. I don't know if I could or not, but have maybe have a go at that. Or it's to go and do something really adventurous and different. And so that for me was the obvious step. And so I was like, right, let's commit. And the commitment was that we got, we'd negotiated. I'd found this, you know, we networked online, pretended to be like basically island brokers and the rest of it. And we'd found someone in the South Pacific who said, oh, there's this particular island that's not being sold to millionaires because it's off the beaten track. Uh, called Vorovoro in northern Fiji and through the the nephew of the chief we eventually got into a conversation about our idea which was essentially you know community building and so on and that led to um, yeah that email kind of led to um, to going out to Fiji and saying okay let's let's see if we can negotiate this and that was my kind of actually being out on the ground in Fiji was almost my comfort zone 
I mean, it was still a big adventure, but I knew how we could start this project. It was much bigger than anything I'd done before, but I knew how it could work on the ground, how we could bring in a group of, you know, not volunteers, but um, yeah, community travelers and a local community and how we might start this thing. Um, what I didn't know was how it would work online. And that's where my business partner at the time was kind of leading. But then the pressures of the project built pretty quickly and we had unsustainable growth. And then we had a whole bunch of problems. Business partnership lasted, I think, less than a year, but uh, it got the project off the ground, which was the main thing. Was the journey how you imagined it being when you kind of came up with the idea? Uh, I didn't, I couldn't imagine it. Well, I, I did. I imagined all the, all the things the that you, you'd like to imagine, living on a remote island, building a global community, all the idealistic stuff I imagined. But no, I, you know, we still wrote business plans. We still wrote insurance, you know, health and safety plans. We still, you know, we did as much as we could, but there's no way you start a project like that if you've had some, like, I wouldn't start that project now um, because you just know what's coming and it, it takes everything. And that's why we talked about this, didn't we, at Escape City? Mm -hmm. Like, it's if you can try entrepreneurial things earlier on in your career or life, you've got less to lose because you've got... All your, you've got the time, there's less obligations. But the trade-off is you haven't got the experience. But your advantage is you don't know. So you just give it a go. Naivety is such a great thing. Because when you've got a great idea and you don't know the consequences of that idea, that's what creates magic, really. You know, you wouldn't have been able to have those memories and that story and created that community over in Fiji, if it wasn't for the fact that you were completely naive, you went there on a bit of a dream, but you were willing to work and make it happen. But all the hurdles that sort of lay in your path, they were a bit more of a shock than, than I suppose someone who's more experienced would. Yeah, uh... they were. And I think if you're looking back on that particular project, you'd say, well, maybe you build a team initially, you're slightly different mentors, coaching, that kind of stuff. But it, it happened fast and it, yeah. you know, it was great. Um, How did you feel no when, you came, when you came back? Yeah, well, yeah, so I joined another project. So, so Tribe Wanted um, was actually ran for over a decade. Um, the project in Fiji was about five years and there was challenges around the lease and all that sort of stuff. But the local community still still run trips there and uh, for visiting students and so on. Um, and then we ran projects in Sierra Leone in West Africa, which was even more challenging, but we took it on. Um, and that's where I connected with an old project, um, an old friend of mine who was running a sports academy called Right to Dream. And in terms of how careers, you know, a career path is made, we, I remember talking to him and he's saying, oh, we're setting up this uh, other second sports academy in Sierra Leone. Um, and if you remember Sierra Leone, there was this awful civil war on the Blood Diamonds. And this was about a decade after that country starting to rebuild. It's a beautiful place, amazing culture, fantastic beaches and passion for music and football and all the all the great things in West Africa and um yeah he was like we're working with this Premier League footballer who wants to invest do you want to help with that project whilst you're you're setting up you're running this tourism project on the beach I was like sure sounds great so I worked, worked with that which was fantastic um whilst I was in Sierra Leone and then we set up another project in uh, tribe wanted project in Umbra in Italy, which is a little safer, a little closer to home, yeah. um, and that's still running actually. It's like kind of a beautiful yoga retreat in in the hills of Umbria. Um, so yeah, that and then I connected with the Escape the City um, guys because I came back to London and because of the had these adventurous entrepreneurial experiences, they were like, "Oh, you're perfect to come and share what you've done." Of course, I just like sharing pictures of. Uh, 
you know, looks like an extended gap year. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember the first, I was at the Escape the City launch, which was January 2010 in a, in a nightclub in um, Covent Garden called Guanabara, which is this big Brazilian club. And, and I was like, oh, there's a big queue outside where uh, this club and I'm going to do a talk for Escape the City. Maybe we can go to this club afterwards. And I went inside and they were like, that's the club. All these people are coming to this escape launch party. There were 600 basically drunk bankers wanting hope. And I was showing my holiday pictures to them. I was like, oh, there's, I've got to do something else here. I've got to do something else. I remember halfway through that talk, I was thinking about this project in the sports academy in West Africa. And I knew at the time that they were looking for someone to lead their new Paralympic sport program to help bring some of their um, Paralympian Ghanaian Paralympians to London 2012, the Paralympic Games here in London. And uh, so I just mentioned it off the cuff. Oh, there's this opportunity. They're looking for someone who's experienced in sport and development. Anyway, I got all these people asking me questions about that afterwards instead of my own projects. So I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll connect you with, I'll connect you with them. <laughs> anyway, I ended up helping, helping recruit and find someone for that role whilst I was in London. And that person then went out to Ghana, got the job, helped set up the Paralympic program, brought the athletes to London 2012. And that person then came over to Sierra Leone and I sort of met up with her uh, for dinner to see how it was all going. And anyway, we now live together in Dorset with our children. <laughs> oh, how are these things? How the, the, so it's not just your career, you know? No, it's exactly. It's, it's following your path and you never know who you're going to meet. In fact, I was talking to someone the other day and they said exactly that. You choose something, you go for it and you just never know what adventures are going to come your way. So you travelled to different places and obviously you ended up back in London, but you started, was it you started the Amsterdam School of Creative Leadership? I love all these things that you get involved with. You're like, did you start that? I was like, yeah, I'd like to think. No, so, no this, one, this one was one I joined as a, a founding participant. So yeah, this was, I was basically the first class at a new school. Now talking about education, this was like my kind of education. And I remember getting the phone call when I was out working on this beach in Sierra Leone from a nice Dutch guy. They're all nice, aren't they? Dutch people, especially they really when they are. speak English better than you do. And he said, hey, Ben, we're starting a new school it's for creative people. You want to come in Amsterdam? I was like, well, yeah, uh, it's 40,000 euros. Okay, I'm living on the beach in West Africa. That's the cost of this whole project. Um, but he, uh, he, uh, he, he said, maybe there's a way. So I said, okay, let's talk. Let's see. If you have a social entrepreneur's 100% discount, um, I'm interested. Anyway, so I ended up going, being part of that first class. And essentially it was a... 18 month program with six sort of 10 day visits to Amsterdam. And there were 30 uh, founding participants like me from all over the world, from tech, social entrepreneurship, uh, business kind of consultancy. So very different worlds all coming together around this idea of how can you use creative leadership to have more impact in the world. And uh, it was led by a, a brilliant group of people. And then they brought people in like, you know, directors from Pixar and, amazing historians and AI experts and so on. So it was just like, and uh, so, yeah, that was a good moment to sort of be part of a, a group again. And I think this is something that's been important for me is like going from leading something to then being part of a, a community where you're then learning and participating. Because uh, otherwise, if you're only leading, you're doing, you know, it's hard to do the learning as well. Um, or I find it hard that way. So yeah, so that was that was brilliant. And that led and then I came back to Escape the City and spent five years really um, 
helping other people kickstart their projects and pushing and them sort off of the took cliff on your own things. advice and ended <laughs> up going to an island just off the coast of thailand yeah well wait i think this is this is an, this is so important and you're you're following this path well too it's whenever it feels comfortable whenever you feel like hang on a second i spent i spent a little bit of time helping others or telling them to do something and, and you check in with yourself on some of are you, are you doing what you're preaching and and you know after a little while usually are it's more theory than practice um so yeah that was the next moment and we went off and we've done a couple of trips as a family and last we were trying to sell our house it wasn't going through and we were looking at lo- renting loc you know um renting instead and i was like well if we're looking at renting a cottage in the countryside why are we looking here why are we looking in wiltshire we could be looking in costa rica <laughs> for the same cost of living it's a pattern in your life isn't it it's kind of well i know you're going down the conventional route but you're not you don't really want to do that (laughs) at times at times suddenly it's the it's the same thing it's the thing is is kind of once the idea settles and i know you you'll appreciate this once an idea settles in your mind it is really hard to to shift it and then it depends who you talk to or don't talk to like if you talk to people you know are going to talk you down from it or like poke loads of holes in it. That's fine at the right moment, but I think you need to you need to go follow your instinct. Like with the going back to the tribe wanted thing, I knew if I talked to certain friends or family, it would never have happened because they would have gone, but this, but this, but this, but this. Understandably, they want to protect you. But with that project, I probably spoke to the least amount of people before we got it out into the world because I knew it was so like looked so like it, it wasn't possible. So yeah, it's always good to consider about who you share your ideas with because if you really want it to happen, mm-hmm. it's probably best just to share it with a couple of people you know are going to get excited and, and not not with the rest. Totally. And like you said, if you've got something in your mind and you do it, I always think I had an opportunity to go to Belize and do some work there. And I and I didn't do it for practical reasons. And I, it's a lesson. It's a lesson to say, you know what? You're never going to regret doing the things. You'll always regret not doing them. So it's, uh, I imagine, regardless of, I mean, you were there for, what, three months with your family? So, the, yeah, the most recent trip we've done was to Thailand, to Co- an island called Koh Lanta. So we, once we decided we weren't going to rent a cottage in, in uh, England, we said, okay, okay let's, let's see where we go in the world. So we spun it, and we were looking for three things. One, we were looking for some kind of international school that our young children could be part of some of the time, because what we didn't want was six to 12 months of just all of it we wanted some space i wanted i needed to work a bit um my wife wanted to explore some project we we didn't want it we were looking for some kind of school support um and we wanted to be in one place so it was like school fast wi-fi and then tropical because that was the opposite of what we were (laughs) life was like in the uk um and that narrowed it down quite quickly so we were looking at places like sri lanka uh, southeast asia obviously um yeah and we ended up finding this island and actually randomly i was just going on google earth and this one street on this island i I found a small international school and a co-working space and a beach i was like well it's all in one square mile there um so that was Koh Lanta in thailand and we went there for six months and it was great i mean when you make these trips especially with children or with work attached to it it is always more challenging than staying at home um because you've got to set up your life again somewhere else. And, and especially, you know, it, it's not like when you're traveling, when you're at 19, you ju- you're just focusing on like brushing your teeth, eating your noodles, getting a suntan, negotiating your next 
tuk tuk ride like with with a family it's it's um, the list is much bigger um but yeah it was i'm really glad we did it and uh yeah we spent six months there great international community and uh yeah some happy memories and managed to keep the work going and uh yeah so like to do it again but we're now at a settled settled stage the great thing with being at the settled stage is knowing that you can be comfortable in that stage and pick up the adventure again as and when you want it oh ben we're nearing the end of the podcast but i wanted to pick your brain on leadership what does it mean to you to be a great leader well yeah great question um I'm actually chatting to someone. I've been reading a book this week, which has helped me think about that question. It's called um, Forgotten Women, the Leaders. Um, and it's a series of books about uh, women um, and by a vice journalist called Zing. And um, this book has reminded me of like all the forms of leadership that exist and often the stories aren't told. Um, so this question, the answers question changes for me over time. But right now, I would say it's about more than ever, like role modeling. Uh, so it, and the way you do that is just by getting on with it. And, and the important thing is that and this was a key lesson from Escape City for me is you either have people who are all talk and no action, like kind of charlatans, or you have people who are all action and no talk like don't share basically the good work they're doing or the good leadership they have in the world. And therefore then for whatever reason or society doesn't tell their stories, you need other people to raise them up. But that what you really want to do, be able to do as a good leader is uh, do the work. <laughs> like you've got to do it. That's really the priority. Um, but you also need to share it. You've, and that's where the communication, the like, here's what's happening, doing it in public, ideally as much transparency as possible because that's, that's where people really learn, mm -hmm. um, not just the polished marketing uh, at the end of it. Um, yeah, and that's, that's where it's an exciting time because in terms of consuming content, whether it's through a podcast like this or whether it's through following organizations on their social media or leaders on, you know, online, you can, you can get much closer to a, a diverse range of leaders than in all sorts of walks of life than we've ever been able to. Um, and I think sometimes there's a little bit of like, oh, lessons, 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 let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. But I think it's kind of going, all right, let's, let's be a bit more strategic. Let's pick the kind of people that I want to learn from. And ideally, it's, it's, some of them are going to be very different to you either in terms of their background or the kind of work they're doing. And then let's follow them for a little while. Um, and the best thing you can do in terms of learning from leaders I've done is, is asking how you can help them. So it's like, what could I do to help that's, that's simple and easy? And I'm part of a new accelerator program at the moment with Facebook of all, all companies, which I didn't think I'd be doing, but it's really exciting. It's a community accelerator, someone with people from all around the world. And um, this is for Rebel Book Club. And it's great because at the end of amazing leaders doing all sorts of wonderful things and the end of each um, session is kind of very quickly. It's like, okay, how can we help each other this week? And someone's like, well, I'm about to, we've got our mindful drinking festival and we need to get this kind of audience to it. And then suddenly you've got 30 leaders all going, great, we'll share it out. And then the ripple effect is huge. So that's what effective leadership is. It's, it's doing the work and sharing it and asking for help. Yeah, I, I really couldn't agree with you more. If someone's listening out there who's sort of on the path of sort of conventional career and is looking to know how to really take their first steps forward into doing something that they would feel that is more purposeful, 
probably more unconventional or something that their family wouldn't quite understand or their friends wouldn't quite understand. What would you say to them? What piece of advice would you give them? Well, I think they're in a good position because the, the conventional career was be- beginning to end when we met. And now it's just in 2020, it's just accelerated. The end of the conventional career has just gone into like <laughs> fast forward. Um, and and that's that change, that shift we're going to see, not just towards automation, but but because industries have basically, some industries are collapsing overnight um, and all the other big existential stuff that's going on in the world means that like the world of work is shifting dramatically. So good news is you're going to be forced to change. Um, So if you're getting on with it now, you're exploring it, that's great. So there's a real push happening. Um, From a pull, more positive point of view, it's just picking the things very simply that you, you care about and you're curious about and like, being a bit more more than like a hobby where you just go, oh, I'm going to show interest. It's being a bit more strategic. It's like, how do I build my interest in this thing into my life in a way where it becomes a rhythm, a habit, something I'm working towards? Now, a lot of people will then go, oh, I'll go and study. And at the right moment, that's great. But sometimes that can then become a huge commitment and it's it might not be quite right, you know, initially. So it could be as simple as I'm going to, start listening to this podcast and if your life is full that's a good starting point change what you're consuming change who you're listening to what you're reading etc and then the next step is like oh how could i help the organizations the people the communities that i'm interested in uh progress just through my enthusiasm so you go into that kind of intern volunteer mindset how can I help? And it might be as simple as helping spread the word. It might be looking at their work and saying, I remember doing this for Airbnb 10 years ago when I was trying to hustle some consultancy work with cool brands. And I looked at, I looked at all their content online and they were talking a lot about social impact through their hosting network. And so I just wrote down like, okay, if I had an incredible host network in London, what, what are 10 ideas that I could try and do with them to solve some of the city's problems? And it's like, you know, responding to emergencies in a, in a speedy way. It would be like, you know, hosting people who are vulnerable at certain times, organizing mass breakfast together. Just like fun ideas. Put it together on a PDF, uh, you know, with a tool like canva.com where you can be a graphic designer for free. And then, um, and then I, I shared that with Airbnb on social media, on their blog. And then I found some of their email addresses. And that was my way into building a relationship with them that led to some work. But more importantly, it led to me getting to know a brand and a business and a community in a way. And and also saying, oh, look, you and that wasn't particularly because I had marketing branding skills. It was just because I was like, I'm interested in their work. And all I did was like, I'm going to try and think if I was working there today, how I might work with with what information I can find out. So it's always like beyond following your curiosities, learning, the next step is to try and do some of the work without asking for permission. Because if you ask permission, you'll be waiting a long time. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. That is where leadership comes in. So many people just wait to ask permission. If you want to get involved in something, you have to look at the work around the permission. There's always going to be a way. And thank you so much. I've got two minutes of some fun questions. Are you up for it? Go for it. Okay. Uh, What is your favorite place you've visited so far? I knew this was going to be one of those questions. So far in life? So far in life. Oh my God, Serena. You had to pick a place and say, right, I want to be there right now. Well, I love, I, you know, I, 
this will be no surprise. I love island culture. Um, and so there's a, you know, from a meaning point of view, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to get tropical islands. Um, there's, I was there two weeks ago. There's a bit of headland on the Southwest coast path um, in Cornwall and it's called the rumps and it sort of spits out just behind. It's just over the hill from Poles F, but you go there. Poles F is a busy surf beach and you run up the coastal path and it's really up and down. You come around the corner and there's these two rumps of, rock that spit out into the Atlantic and it, the, the wind and the elements hit you hard whenever you go up there. I love that spot. Okay. Your favourite non-fiction book? You, these are literally the hardest questions you could ask me. I know. <laughs> um, so I tell you the best non-fiction book I've read this year, which I read a lot because it's my job now. Um, it's called Humankind by Rutger Bregman, Dutch guy. He wrote a book that we read a few years ago called Utopia for Realists, which is all about a better version of politics which we all need in the world and humankind is basically a, a really strong case study for human nature being we're being hardwired for good we are hardwired as a species for good and it's full of he basically debunks a load of um psycho psychological um theories from the last hundred years um the the harvard prison experiment all these things he goes right into the science the detail the morning and says actually the results are skewed. It, humans aren't as bad as we think. And it's brilliant. It's it's life affirming with great stories and okay. data. And we all need that. So humankind. Oh, I'll put that on the list. Um, airplane or boat? Boat. One piece of advice you'd give to someone starting their own tribe? <laughs> One piece of advice. <laughs> yeah, I, I if I was 26, I would say start. Yeah, as a 40-year-old, I would say um, have a good co-pilot. Okay. co-chief your mission in life is uh, to scale uh, positive impact through through communities through through other people and finally what has being so driven given you just fulfillment and uh, uh, and you only know your own journey right that's the you only have your own lived experience but um most of the time for me it's this feeling of like Ah, oh, I'm I'm living a I'm living a life day to day, month to month, year to year. That's that's reasonably close to to who I am as a as a human, and that's that's not easy. And I've been fortunate to to be able to do that. Um, and so that's that's all that matters. So uh, I'll keep I'll keep trying to stay on that path. On that note, Ben, thank you so much for your knowledge, for your time. I hope things continue to go well with the Rebel Book Club. Thank you for being part of this podcast with me. Thanks, Serena. Ben has one of those great gifts of grabbing your attention as he tells a story. Not all of us can do that. And some, I believe, have a natural ability to do so. And some can acquire the skill. I love from the outset of his career that he had the focus to pursue the things he was curious about. As most of us program ourselves into the conventional system of studying something we at least have an interest in, but often find ourselves going into careers five, ten years later, we're not sure how or why we got into them. Ben had the foresight pretty early on to know he wanted to pursue things that he was curious about. And even though, as he confesses, he has been making it up for a long time, he clearly has developed some great stories to share and a lot of experience that not many can claim. 
He may still have the focus now that he did 20 years ago, but with the experience has come better business models financially, more positive impact, and projects that have been more sustainable in their impact on people's lives. Ben is a community builder, and even though, as he confesses, it's not for the faint-hearted, he enjoys bringing people together. Here are just some key takeaways I took from our chat today. Number one, if you can be entrepreneurial early on in your life, just do it. You have less to lose, you have the time, less obligation, and you just don't have the hindrance of experience. On the other hand, you just don't have the experience. But who wants to be hindered? Experience is a gift and a curse all at the same time. Number two, Be careful on who you discuss the ideas with that you want to pursue. Remember, a lot of us have close family and friends and family members that want to protect us and will want to talk us down. And that's okay in the right space. But with every idea, there are some pros and cons and the fear of the unknown with everything that you do. My advice is that you should just go with your instinct cautiously. Know that our brain is also there to protect us and so it will be the first one to come up with a whole heap of objections because it wants to stay in the zone of being comfortable. Take your idea and speak to someone who is doing something similar to you. You'll be best advised bringing it to the people who have gone through a similar process that you will slowly start to undertake. Number three, I like the way Ben talks about leadership changing over time. I really do believe that leadership is an evolution, regardless of whether you consider yourself a natural born leader or not. Like with time, your knowledge and skills, your experience and environment changes. And with that, so does your development and your ability to lead. For Ben, it's now about being a role model, doing the work equally important sharing it and asking for help. Anyone knows a good leader sees them communicate well and that doesn't always mean showing the team a polished piece of work, but involving them in the process, asking help vertically and horizontally when needed. We are in a world now where more than ever, we have the potential to find good, more diverse leaders from all over the world with knowledge from experiences we may not even comprehend. Number four, For anyone out there who is looking to spice up their lives, maybe change their career or start something new, now is the time. More than ever, we are in a place in time where you can look seriously at your options. If you have a rough idea on where you want to focus your attention, Ben's advice is, firstly, pick the thing that you care and are most curious about. Secondly, Start to look at this as more than just a hobby. Strategically begin to craft this into your life. Make it a habit. Remember, it doesn't need to be a huge commitment. Look at Ben's Rebel Book Club. This for him was more like a passion project four years ago and now it's turned into his main focus. And thirdly and finally, and I think most importantly, think about how you can help the organization or communities of people that you are interested in without necessarily, and I love this bit, asking for permission. That is so key. Go into that sort of intern or volunteer mindset. How can you help? How can you help spread the word? I can't stress that enough. So many of us, and we all do it at points, ask for permission to do something. And once we start getting those rejections, we feel like we can't go any further. 
If your passion and desire is strong enough, you will find a way to embed yourself into that community. You just have to be creative. So a couple of actionables, and we all love a bit of actionables here. So a couple of actionables this week, if you fancy the challenge, number one, pick someone you admire as a leader, follow them. What are they doing that others aren't? What is it that grabs your attention and makes you listen? And how can you use those methods in your daily life? Number two, if you have a dream to start something new, listen back to these steps and start taking action. You never know where it may lead. Well, that's it from me today. Thank you so much to my fantastic guest, Ben Keen. If you want to find out more information on Ben and his website and his book, please head over to my podcast page on my website. That's www.serenadod.com forward slash podcast. That's S-E-R-E-N-A-D-O-D-D dot com forward slash podcast. And as always, if you are enjoying the podcast, please head over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review. I would really appreciate it. And as a thank you, I will select one reviewer each week to come on a 30 minute consultation with me to specifically discuss a detailed strategy on how to achieve your 30 day goal. So please rate and review, go to my website and click Ask Serena and let me know that you've done it. And I will choose one reviewer per week that will have a one-to-one session with me. And in the meantime, I hope you are taking lead of your day and making it so driven. (laughs) 